Okay, Natalie. So <laughs> that's how I start everything when I need to. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Radical Existence Podcast. This podcast is part of the bigger movement and online community where we cook together, move together, breathe together, and be together. The ideas you hear on the podcast are just the tip of the iceberg. If you want to join the conversation, head over to RadicalExistence.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate, and review. We appreciate you helping to share our message. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Jen. So listeners, it's our morning recording. Oh, I like that. Our morning recording. Yeah. Um, we're a little less animated at 7 a.m. than we are <laughs> <laughs> 10 or 11 a.m. So we'll see how this goes. But uh, today is a special topic for us. Uh, we're uh, introducing ourselves and our stories to any potential, you know, radical existence members. And we think it's important that you get to know us and, um, you know, not just our qualifications professionally, but who we are as people and how we've grown. Um, Maybe we'll call it a little bit of street cred. (laughs) Uh, So format, we're just going to tell our stories. And then if we have questions or, you know, we might have a little conversation about each of them, but really just uh, an introduction to each of us. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So Natalie, I was born on November. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) How much did you weigh? I know. (laughs) I was actually premature, a month premature. I just couldn't wait to get out. Um, (laughs) And if you know me, that's how I do everything. I just jump the gun and go. (laughs) Truly, truly. That's really all anyone needs to know. (laughs) That explains it all, Jen. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, I guess the things I wanted to start out with were um, the, the seedlings of what now is becoming radical existence and how I can see how... These were subject matters that were really important to me, but I could, didn't quite know what to do with them at the time that they were being planted, but now they're starting to sprout and grow. So it's <laughs> a beginning, a middle, and um, not an end, but a, another beginning. So I guess I should just talk about, um, I guess, kind of the core foundation, the person that... I am like the part that people don't see. I I would say I present as very like bubbly and happy and um, kind of carefree in a way, very like free bird. <laughs> um, and I would say that's very true to my nature. I would say that I just kind of have always been kind of a big personality, quirky, um, but there is definitely a part of me, not definitely, I mean, there is a part of me that has struggled with uh, self-confidence, self-esteem. I mean, just really like the underlying, there's some really like deep hurts inside me <laughs> that um, I knew were there, but I also, and people would notice them and see them also, but I didn't realize how much they were affecting me in the world or I didn't take time to pay attention to them. I don't really know, you know, when do you handle something until it becomes a catastrophe, right? That's like, seems to be the, the way that we do things. So, um, anyway, I'm just going to start with, there was a, a seed that was 
sprouting and blossoming that wasn't a, you know, a beautiful flower, but like a weed. It, um, and that was all that self-confidence, low self-esteem, feelings of unworthiness, just not ever feeling good enough. And fortunately and unfortunately, I'm not the type that's like, okay, I'm not good enough. I'm just going to like stop. (laughs) I'm the type that's like, no, I'll make it better. I'm very willful. I'll make it better. I'll do it better. I can do it. I can do more. I can give more. I can try harder. You know, I don't know if that's my kind of dancer background of, uh, just you practice a skill until it's there, you know, so just more practice, more effort creates change. Um, it's kind of a different story when it comes to your, uh, I guess, mental and emotional well-being. It's not the same as practicing a physical skill. Uh, anyway, so there was that seed. And I would say that that was the one that unfortunately, like a weed, it was taking over, uh, but there were others. So the next seed was with the holistic nutrition. I picked up I told you guys about bitter fat and that was just one of those books that I read just cause it was around. I picked up Paul Pitchford's healing with whole foods book when I was, you know, probably 18 black hair, chain smoking cigarettes outside of coffee shops. Um, you know, that kind of jive. Uh, and believe me, I noticed the disconnect, you know, I'm like chain smoking, reading about holistic health. I've really got this nailed. I've got this down. But there was something that resonated with his work with me very deeply. And again, what was different is it wasn't for weight loss. He wasn't speaking to, yes, he was speaking to being healthy, but not looking a certain way in 10 days, you'll feel this. You know, there was none of these like, gosh, it just feels like marketing promises. You know, it was just food and the body and how they work together to heal an individual. And he used a lot of like Eastern traditions. I I think that the subtitle to the book is um, Eastern traditions and Western philosophy or Western life, something like that. But um, yeah, used a lot of herbs and things, but anyway, just the idea, it felt very loving And it felt very honest. The world has provided us with so many things and um, to use those to heal this body that, you know, came very naturally from the earth. It just, it all made sense to me. So I'm lucky that that seed got planted where it wasn't just about weight loss diet, but being connected with the earth, connected with your body and healing um, from this very holistic and loving place. And that seed was planted. Also, um, again, I was a dancer, very, and not the right type to be a dancer. I am short, I am muscular, and uh, it's just, while I feel like I loved that and excelled at it and such a big part of my life and uh, my passion for it is still there, you know, I still dance in my living room. (laughs) Anyway, so this was when I was a very, very young dancer still again, like junior high, high school. And I had met a ballet teacher that had really changed my, I don't know, my sense of self. He accepted me into his ballet company. Again, I'm not a a typical ballerina type, but I think he saw my passion, my dedication. I was at class, you know, 
four classes a night plus rehearsals and things. Just, I was dedicated to it. I loved it so much. And um, he had taught me just about the the relationship between the quadriceps and the hamstrings. It, it's something that's very basic and know now, but uh, it was revolutionary to me at the time because I did have really developed quads. One, I think it's just genetics too. I think from being a gymnast and someone that sprung about most of my uh, developmental years, I guess, as a child. Um, so these big quadriceps. And so he taught me to recruit, you know, more the posterior body, the glutes and the hamstrings. And I started to notice a difference. I noticed that my hamstrings started to develop and I could see their development. And so the seed was planted of, oh, if I learn about the musculature of the body, my super duper muscular body, I bet I can make it look a certain way. I can kind of manipulate it with my actions to look a certain way. So I picked up this book called Ballet Technique and I learned all about the anatomy of uh the, the dancer, I guess, I mean, the anatomy of the body, but then how it applies to dance. And yeah, it was just a strong seed that was planted. Um, there was also the seed of, and these kind of go back to that like weed seed, <laughs> um, but with disordered eating into all of that, I, I knew that it was wrong to not eat. I knew that it was wrong to binge eat. I knew that it was wrong to throw up after binge eating. Like I knew that those things were wrong, but I didn't think they were incredibly abnormal either. And, um, it wasn't like a popular thing for girls at the dance studio, at least that I knew of. Um, we weren't that kind of studio where people suffered with like eating disorders. And yes, there was kind of a type to, um, you know, who would be highlighted in the shows and things like that. But I feel like I was around a lot of really healthy, um, like family units and people. So I wasn't at that kind of studio that was competitive in the way that eating disorders were just a normal thing. Um, but I really feel like it, my disordered eating, and I mean, it was mild compared to most, but when I look at back on it, I don't know, I don't know clinically if it was, you know, um, it, consumed a lot of my life and time hating my body, trying to change my body, judging other people's bodies. I mean, it really, it's a sickness and a disease. So I can honestly say that it was a disease no matter how um, far down the path I got. Meaning like I never was, I was noticeably losing weight and that same ballet teacher pulled me aside and was like, Hey, like you look different. What are you doing? You know, he could, I think he just knew my inner angst. <laughs> I think he related to it quite honestly. Um, anyway, so there was that weed seed of disordered eating, being mean to my body. And that developed once I got into my, you know, after high school, 18, 19, 20 into drinking. And so the body stuff, um, didn't go away. Still, that still lived with me for years and years and years. Um, but I found a new relief system, which was drinking. Uh, it, yeah, that was a, another weed seed. <laughs> um, one of the other more positive seeds in kind of my youth was the, the impact that I had. And this really, really connects with radical existence. So Natalie, there is in Sacramento, this program called Food Not Bombs. Do you remember that program or no. did you hear about it? No, no. Okay. Uh -uh. So it was a bunch of punk rockers who would 
dumpster dive at, you know, local grocery stores, get a bunch of food that was thrown out, not because it was bad, but because it said expired on it, because apparently they tend to be, I think, a little more careful with their expiration date. Anyway, so they would dumpster dive, collect all this food, make it, and then serve it to the homeless people. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. At one of the parks in Sacramento. And this program was always something to me that I, it just like hit me hard in my heart because these people looked like, you know, the French, I mean, like punk rock, you know, like not just pop punk, like good Charlotte, but like, you know, no effects kind of a thing. Like Mm -hmm. anyway, so just the fact that they were they looked so alternative. They were people that you would judge harshly as, you know, a a normal member of society, yet they're doing this thing that is so incredibly amazing. And they're taking this tear in our society of, you know, food being wasted and they're repurposing and using. Why this impacted me so much. Number one, I didn't realize the amount of food that was being thrown out. Uh, It really, really was eye-opening and kind of heartbreaking. I I can't think of anything more just like a, like a selfish privileged act to throw away food, like the, the things that we need to function as human beings and that people don't have in so many different communities and all over the world. And to just throw things out. It's just, I, I can't believe that like more hasn't been done about this. Um, (laughs) it it really breaks my heart. Uh, Anyway, it opened my eyes to that, that there was such a waste of perfectly good, nutritious body fuel. And um, that these people did not look the part of someone that you would think would do such a, a good, gracious act. They were using the things that made them rebel against society to do good and like truly an altruistic act, like just doing it to help, to mend a tear and to help. And, um, you know, it's not like they got paid for it or they just did it and they did it together. And it was, um, just really impactful to me. And it was something that I was like, how, how do all these people that like look the part of a good person, they're so, different than these people that are doing really good things, you know? So that was just something that stayed with me. Okay. Anyway, so all of those seeds were planted. Um, and then I'm going to call like the middle of the journey, my time when I lived in New York and Australia, I was kind of, uh, New York, I definitely went with a purpose to pursue musical theater. And then when that didn't go well, I just kind of took some time and thought I would travel around Australia because, That's what one does when, um, I guess they're in the middle of a midlife, third of a life crisis. Um, so I went to New York with the, to pursue musical theater and that was bound to fail. And not because of my, not because of anything that was outward, but because of my thinking, I didn't know how to be a good learner. I didn't know how to be a good auditioner. I didn't know how to focus on building my skill set without it directly affecting how I felt about myself as a person. I couldn't, I didn't know how to separate the two. So it was bound to fail. I mean, it just, it was a really good learning experience and um, thankful for it. But yeah, like looking back on it, 
it was just bound to fail. <laughs> so, so there was that. Um, but let's keep going with the seeds. So the seeds were those like weed seeds, the, um, low self-esteem, not good enoughness, all of that definitely probably heightened trying to do the musical theater thing without the tools to be a good musical theater auditioner, um, person in that field. Uh, also the drinking, I was working at restaurants out there a lot. And so that just, that culture is very, um, rich in drinking. So that was something that I just didn't tend to when I was out there. Uh, but then there were really good seeds that got planted, uh, in New York also relating back to the seed of starting to look at my musculature and how I could change that with my, you know, physical behaviors and patterns. Turns out there's a method of movement that's called Pilates. That is that. Um, and it literally fell in my lap, Pilates. And, um, I believe it was like divine intervention, um, a universal pull to it. It was something that I, I knew I just kind of like, it resonated with me. I had seen it happen in my own body, that quad to hammy thing. And so after experiencing that and then finding out there was a method of movement that I could teach, it was just, you know, <laughs> kismet. And, um, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to do work study to get my certifications because Pilates certifications are expensive. It's not, it's a more intense program than I think people think. Anyway, it's a, a longer process and I'm thankful that I was able to do work study to gain that certification. I also got my yoga certification out there, um, which yoga has always been the spiritual part of yoga has always been a jam of mine. Spirituality is a seed that I didn't mention, but it's been a seed that is, I've always nurtured. I've always thought it was an, an important one to nurture. I grew up in a household where it was the most important seed to nurture. So as far as the yoga, it just felt like home, you know, just kind of learning more and more. And it had nothing to do with the movement, but it had a lot to do with the the philosophy uh, so yeah, those were some really good seeds planted in New York, went to Australia for a second and, uh, oh, and in New York, I attended the, um, Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which funny enough, I went there thinking that it was a program that wasn't, uh, science-based enough for me. I wanted something that was more science-based. So I ended up switching over and going to Bowman college to uh, get my certification. But now that I'm on the journey that I've been on and have kind of come full circle, I'm finding the work from IIN to be really solid and true. So I've gotten back to that, uh, which is fun. Um, anyway, so to talk about, you know, where, what has grown and what has been de-weeded. Um, <laughs> so now that we're at radical existence, the seeds that have been planted and that are flourishing essentially came from clearing the weed seeds from <laughs> not just trimming the weeds, but like actually like pulling up the weed seeds. Uh, that happened when, um, my alcohol drinking became no longer became just like something to do at the end of the day, but it became something that consumed my life. Uh, I don't know what, there's a lot of different print, like people subscribe to a lot of different ideas about alcoholism 
Um, all I know that for me, it, it really took me by surprise, even though like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess there was kind of this thing and this way of thinking that was there. Uh, the degree at which it, it hit my life was really just, um, it was terrible and tragic and incredibly hard to live through. Uh, and Natalie, I just wanted to I'm going to link this in the show notes, but there was an article that came out in NPR not that long ago about, um, well, I heard it on a podcast, but how women are drinking just as much as men and they're drinking, like this has been a, a statistic, I guess it's been rising and rising and rising, but um, that women drink more to cope than men do, like men generally like start for joy. I, guess. I don't know, you know, who knows why anyone drinks, but um, anyway, I'm going to link this article because it's really interesting and it talks about just the rise of women, their drinking, drinking to cope and that how much it affects our bodies like so much more than men or at least at a more rapid rate. So I'll include that link in the show notes. But anyway, so I'm happy to say that like I'm not drinking, I'm committed to living sober, not just because it's like it just it's so amazing. It's amazing to let go of something that was causing you so much grief and pain and to like come out the other side is so amazing. So, um, yeah, I'm really like proud of that. And I would like to be a resource. I know that like mommy wine culture and, um, just in general, like it's so accepted to drink. And I see all these memes all the time about, uh, you know, like working from home during COVID and like drinking during that. And I, Oh man, I just, I hope to be a resource for anyone that is looking for help or just needs to talk about this. It's something that I'm passionate about helping other people find a different way because it can be, it's just devastating and people don't know what to do around you. I mean, I think that was the hardest part of that journey was the disconnect between people are watching you like just go up in flames and they don't know what to do because they don't, they don't know what to do and they care for you and they don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. And, um, and you feel so alone and so disconnected and you're just trying to like do the best you can and put on a show and like make it work. And, um, just having, I feel like somewhere to go, you know, come to me. I'll, I'll listen. <laughs> I'm a good listener. Um, anyway, so that was kind of the first weed seed that got cleared. And, um, funny enough, when you stop using a substance to help you cope, you learn that, oh, wow, I've had this like self-confidence issue for a long time. I've had a lot of these like other weeds that need to be cleared. And, um, all of a sudden you start to do the work and you start to get better and it's amazing. <laughs> so that's it. Um, some of the work that I hope to do, I mean, as much as I'm qualified for, I'm an advocate for, you know, professional help and will not overstep my boundaries or your boundaries with radical existence, but to offer space to kind of uncover those, I keep calling them weed seeds, but it's the best way to, to phrase it. Um, that we can look at those behaviors and those thought patterns and start to find a new way. And sometimes it's just simply talking about it and sharing and hearing that other people have those same things and realizing that it's uh, something that can be changed. Your thoughts are not who you are. They're just simply your thoughts. Meditation helps with that. 
so Pilates, I've been teaching now for 10 years, yoga, same thing. I've always taught dance or, you know, kind of intermittently taught dance. Um, so teaching movement is now what I feel like I do what I love to do. Um, and that will be a huge part of radical existence. And it's something that, um, again, I've developed my movement practice over time. I think there's a time and a place for each type of movement practice. Like right now I'm looking at adding in more strength training and traditional work, uh, because I'm getting older and my joints need it, you know, (laughs) my joints, my muscles, my, the structures of my body need to do a little bit more, um, strength training and weightlifting. But um, there's a time for joy in your movement practice, too. We hope to, like, dance out here. We hope to um, definitely want to do some Pilates workshops with people because it's such an, an important way to connect with your body. Um, then the holistic health. Let's bring it back to food because, uh, and this is how I'll finish. <laughs> um, that loving book that I read, Chain Smoking Outside of Coffee Shops with Black Hair, uh, Paul Pitchford's, you know, healing with whole foods. Um, I graduated from Bowman college. They're all about holistic health. And we did our second semester on therapeutic nutrition. So how to apply nutrition to support, um, you know, people with specific and certain disease. Uh, it was an intense program. It was really an amazing program. I learned so much. But at the end of the day, radical existence kind of comes full circle back to that uh, IIN philosophy, like I said, um, which it's nice to have all the information from Bowman and also kind of to wrap it up with the simplicity that uh, IIN provided, which is that we are all individual beings with individual stories and that, yes, food matters, um, but it's your secondary source of nutrition in a way, or your secondary source of, um, fulfillment that you have this primary food that are all of the other things in your life that, um, can affect, affect your mental health and well-being, but also, um, can help you thrive. So looking at, you know, your activities, your connection to the community, your work life, your financial life, like looking at all these holistic things that affect you as the bean and then looking at food and being like, how can I support my body? But how can I, but how am I actually functioning in the world? So we're going to talk a lot about health and what it actually means to be healthy. And we're going beyond like, yes, you need kind of the foundations, um, the foundations that I consider them as of now, you know, 2021, you need good nutrition, which is eat whole foods, not too much, mostly plants. You need, uh, And that's the quote by Michael Pollan, just so I'm not, you know, (laughs) plagiarizing anyone. Um, You need movement in your life for sure. You need good sleep. You need stress management. You need to be tied to a community and to feel like you are seen in that community. And then you need some really good, like alone time and time for self-reflection and time to clear the weeds, (laughs) the weed seeds. Um, Anyway, so those are like your pillars of just kind of being a human in the world. But there are so many other things that affect you. Uh, Again, like your job, your relationships, your this, your that, your the other. So in Radical Existence, we're focusing more on like the whole life picture and then giving you really sound, you know, action steps. Here's how you take care of that body of yours. But here's the bigger picture of health. Um, um, And then lastly, just going back to that seed that was planted with the Food Not Bombs people. It's just, um, 
ultimately what I hope with radical existence is that people feel like this is a place to land. It's kind of all over and, you know, nobody reads texts anymore, but all over the texts that we've written for radical existence, this is your place to come to. We can be your backbone. We can be a listening ear. We will help you connect with your body through our, our movement classes and workshops. We'll, you know, assist you in planning healthy meals, you know, so you don't have to take that time and that mind space to, dedicate to like another meal plan, a fitness plan, or this or that, you know, you can just have somewhere to be that, you know, you can go, we're solid here, you know, and then you can use your energy to go out and do good in the world. You know, we're not going to get stuck and we're not going to let you get stuck in, but I'm not losing weight, but you know, we're not going to let you get stuck. <laughs> That's all I can say is you'll be here, you'll be healthy and you'll be able to I don't know, explore other ideas of life than just what you're eating, how you're not losing weight, what your body looks like. We just, we want to get you past that. And we're in a place where the world needs us to be present and vocal and strong in ourselves. And um, yeah, not stuck in such a small self-serving pattern, but to really go and assist all of the hurt, like there's just so, so many places we can be of service. So, um, Natalie, that's kind of my radical story change idea. Um, yeah. I <laughs> love it. I love it. So Jen, um, how often do you meditate every day? Is that part I do, of your like, and ritual? now it's been twice a day. Have you heard that quote? That's um, sorry, I, I just jumped all over you. <laughs> no, no, I, I asked. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forget who said it or if it's even you know. But it, they say uh, I have a really busy day. Then um, instead of meditating for an hour, you should meditate for two. Have you heard that? <laughs> no. Uh -uh. Essentially, when you're the most busy, you need to like chill out more. So yeah, lately, especially with the launch of radical existence it's been two times a day like normally definitely in the morning but then also in the evening because I just my mind won't shut off if I don't mm -hmm. just like come back to myself so totally are you ready I'm ready okay <laughs> Natalie tell us about you we want to get to know you so I have kind of similar um I would say you know 20s um I don't think I'll take it back too much further than that. I mean, I grew up with a normal, um, I was not a preemie. I didn't, um, <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, yeah, twenties were kind of similar to yours. Very, um, yeah, I was in the heart of, well, I would say early twenties, um, heart of going to the bar and, um, drinking and just, working at a restaurant, having fun, um, that type of thing. And then, um, my whole life kind of switched and like, it felt like a second when I got pregnant with my daughter, which was not a, let's just say planned, um, <laughs> thing. So, um, I went from, you know, all about me to, holy shit, this is real. You know, like I, I have something else that I have to take care of and I'm responsible for. So anyway, I mean, not regretting that part of my life at all. Um, it kind of made me grow up pretty fast, uh, which, which is 
fine. You know, I, I think at that point I probably needed to calm down and needed something to stop myself from kind of having that crazy, um, experience in my twenties. But anyway, so I got pregnant with her, got married a year later. Um, and then had my son three years after I had my daughter and, um, all before 30 years old, which, um, looking back very, it was very, um, in my eyes, very young. I felt very young having two kids. Um, and now people are having kids into their thirties and forties and, you know, so I, I do feel like my kids are, I mean, they're great. They're, you know, I feel like little young adults now. Um, but at the time I felt like I was a kid kind of raising kids, um, which helped with energy levels and all that, that fun stuff. But I did feel, um, like I kind of, I don't know, just went from all about me to these children and to balance all of that was like, I really, really struggled with that. I struggled keeping, um, I guess myself, me, like I had these two kids that I needed to be mom to. I still had sisters that I'm super close with. So I needed to be a sister. I needed to be a daughter, um, a wife, a friend, all that. So it was just, I, I think I really struggled on the balance of it. Um, and then I met you, Jen, <laughs> I have to put you in there in my life because <laughs> you were a huge, um, part of, I think the start of me kind of finding that balance. And I, I remember meeting you through, um, someone that I worked with and, um, the first meeting was, was like, I was taking her dance classes, um, behind the salon that I work at. And, uh, it was, it was one of those, um, just moments of like, okay, 7 PM on, you know, whatever night it was, I do burlesque and I take your damn, you know, a couple other dance classes. And that's my time to get burlesque. Was it a class? You weren't like doing burlesque. Like, Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was a class. It was a dance class. Yes. Um, so it was, it was the first time that I think I kind of put myself somewhat first, you know, like where I was like, okay, you know what? my kids are with my husband and he can handle this. I can spend an hour of my night with, you know, moving. Um, and, and it was something that I had always done ever since I was little, I moved, I did dance class, I played sports. Um, you know, I was always active. And then after having kids, it's like, you kind of, um, I don't, it, you have the time, but you say that you don't have the time. And so you don't make the time, you know? Um, so anyway, I think that that was a big turning point for me was like making the time again to at least move, you know, a couple days a week or whatever. Um, and let's see, what's the, the next phase of my life was, um, yeah, just kind of, then you get into this routine. I think having kids and being married and, um, having a career and all of that, you get into this daily, just kind of getting through life. You know, you're raising kids, you're going to work, you come home, you 
make dinner, you go to bed and you do it all again, you know? So I think for a long time, I got into this rut of like, oh my God, this is just my life. And not saying that it's a bad thing, not saying that like I didn't have lots of fun during that time. And my kids were, have always been, I've always said each year, I always say, this is my favorite year. And I still say it to this day, you know, like every, every age that they have been in so far has been my favorite. So, um, I can't, I can't say that like, yeah, it's a bad thing, but it does get like, uh, just very, um, just like a ritual, you know, just like, Oh, okay. This is what we do every day. Um, anyway, so then I will say I probably had what one might call a midlife crisis, uh, right, right before my 40th, I would say a year before, probably about started about 39. Um, Jen saw me go through it. <laughs> it was real fun, <laughs> but, um, her, so I went into, um, or I, I was part of her shed program, which was an elimination diet. Um, I shouldn't even call it a diet. It's an elimination, but the part of shed that, um, you know, I kind of, uh, liked at first was I knew that I had what I would call a gluten intolerance. I had kind of figured that out previous to shed, but, um, but shed was also an elimination, um, of yeah, all the, um, I mean, it was a pretty strict, clean, um, way of eating. And, um, and I loved that because I, I knew that I probably had some other intolerances like to dairy and things of that nature. But, um, but so this was, um, just kind of a program where I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is, um, gonna be helpful. Um, and then the other part of it was, um, was, yeah, like, getting into meditation and getting into journaling and things that I always thought were just I, the, one, I didn't have time for. And two, um, kind of silly. Like I felt like journaling was kind of like, why am I writing down my thoughts? Like, um, and meditation was kind of like, how do I shut off my brain? You know? And, um, and so I think with that program, I really, um, I really shifted into this, not even self, I guess I, I found it to be selfish at first because I had, you know, years before I had only put my efforts into my kids and my family. And, um, and so I felt like with this, it was like, oh no, like now I'm kind of almost, you know, telling them, oh, well, mom has to go meditate or mom has to go take her bath or mom has to, you know, and, and kind of, I felt like I was being selfish. And I think I said it in another podcast. I had, I was kind of expressing that to a client of mine and he said, that's actually not selfish at all. You're taking care of yourself, which is therefore, you know, how you take care of others, you know, and, and health wise, like I really switched from, um, just a very, I wouldn't ever call myself unhealthy eating, but, um, but with that, I was like the healthiest I've ever been. I was working out with you six days a week. Um, Pilates became a huge part of my life, which I can't say enough about Pilates. I've done 
every workout known to man. And I think that Pilates is just that balanced workout. You not only use your body, but you're also using your mind to um, just really get into the body. And, um, and I loved that. I love that about Pilates. I love that it's something that I felt like my mind was working to, and not just the, these weights that you're grabbing and, you know, um, so I, I really connected with Pilates and, um, and just this lifestyle that I had created, you know, and, um, yeah, I just, I created this lifestyle that was, um, even though it started out as this midlife crisis and, oh my God, like I need to look a certain way for my 40th or whatever, it ended up being where I, it became a lifestyle. And, um, and yes, have I fallen off of super strict eating? Of course, because that's not, that is not, um, maintainable. It's not a, it wasn't meant to be, you cut things out, these things out forever, you know? So, um, so yeah, I definitely, um, now live more of a balanced lifestyle or I, I definitely try to, <laughs> and, um, and I think that it taught me kind of how to do that, you know, and, and taking the time for yourself, but then also taking care of your children and your family and being a friend and all of that. So, um, that was kind of my journey into this whole, um, I don't know, radical existence in a way, you know? So, yeah. Natalie, thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, number one, just like powerful to hear your story from your perspective, like as someone that doesn't have kids, you know, I, I forget that your life instantly became all about them, you know, as soon as they were born. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just really helpful as, you know, again, like single kind of more, I, I want to say career focused, but just kind of more like creative endeavor and like focused to hear you talk about that and just creating that one hour. I mean, that must've been like 10 years ago. <laughs> like it was, so yeah, long. it was a long time ago, um, but to remember those classes and to, you know, you kept that one hour for yourself and it was like the shift of something that kept growing. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. of those seeds that, and you kept nurturing. And I've heard you say before in your shares, like, um, and my client told me that it wasn't selfish for me to take care of myself. And I never, like, I got it and I heard you, but like hearing the entirety of your story and like, I was surprised with my first pregnancy, my life became radically different. And for me to take this time is huge for me to step away from my family is this role that, I mean, these, everyone's counting on me in a way, you know, I mean, yeah, definitely for but sure. You can count on yourself now too. I just, I'm, it's so moving to like, think about that and to think about what we we're going through together, you know, and oh, that, yeah. I, I remember those times of starting those dance classes and that's when I was first becoming a movement teacher and I had so much doubt and like not good enoughness, but then to think that like of what it was really doing, which was allowing for an hour of someone to come to themselves. I mean, that's just so special. I love that. <laughs> well, you're special, Jen. You you're really are. Special <laughs> Natalie. Um, My favorite. <laughs> yeah. So those are our kind of radical transformations from who we were to where we are. Um, yeah, we're curious what resonates with you the most you identify with 
one, the other, both um, to some degree. Uh, we'd love to know, like, what are your struggles? What are your transformations? Um, yeah, you can join the conversation on our social media and just soon to be our active membership website. Um, we're really excited to launch this. Uh, there's a community aspect that's just like Facebook, but it's private. So we're all together and we're not connected to, you know, social media where the ads pop up and all that. We really just get to have this in intimate space where we can have really great conversations and dive into topics that, I mean, I feel pretty vulnerable. How about you, Nat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, where we can dive into those vulnerabilities and just kind of... Um, yeah, learn to get out of our stories and again, so we can heal ourselves and then go do some work out in the world that much needs some attention. <laughs> Definitely. Next week, we're talking about the principles of radical existence. If you're following our Instagram, which we hope you are at radical existence, we're doing fun stories with um, songs that relate to principles and um, the themes of radical existence. And again, you'll hear a lot of the same like, we take care of ourselves so we can go out and take care of others. I feel like that's just kind of our tagline. Shoot, write it down. <laughs> yeah. um, you'll probably hear those things a lot uh, from us as we talk about radical existence. But just um, we believe in health, but not obsessive health. We believe in la joie de vivre. Like <laughs> just believe in living a really balanced, harmonious um almost like a rhythmic life is the way I think about it. Just keeping a steady tempo, doing the things, getting them done. And then, uh, yeah, going out and making the changes that we want to see. We want you to go out and do the work that you think is important in the world. And whatever that may fall under into is your business, not ours. Um, but we just want to keep you healthy so you can do that. Okay. I think that's enough. Um, stay tuned. Part two, the principles of radical existence. Bye Natalie. Bye, Jen. Have a good morning. Yeah, you too. <laughs> <laughs>